Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. Hey, why don't you come on in? I see some of you are checking out our t-shirt voting contest we got going on, and that's great and all. You can actually do that a little bit later today while we are in line for first Sunday lunch, which if you didn't know, is happening today. I know it might be obvious to some we've got all these tables, but come on in, have a seat, sit by somebody you don't know, introduce yourself, say hello. Uh, before we get started, though, we have a song around here. It's called Eres Fiel in Spanish. Who knows what Eres Fiel means in English? Eres Fiel. Shout it out. Shout it out. God is good. God is good. Thank you. Okay. We have a saying around here. Some other churches do it as well where we will say, God is good. And then you guys would say, all the time. And then I would say, all the time. You guys would say, God is good. Okay, I know some of you, that's like super familiar. There's probably some people here who have never done it before. So we're going to do it again. Okay, God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. All right, now here is where the real challenge comes in. For some of us, we're going to do it in Spanish, okay? So I'm going to say, and Amy's going to correct me if I do it wrong. <laughs> I'm going to say, eres fiel, which means God is good. You guys are going to say, siempre fiel. Good. I heard some of you say it, siempre fiel. Can you say that with me? Siempre fiel. Okay, so I'll say, eres fiel, siempre fiel. Then I'll say, siempre fiel, eres fiel. Good job. Okay, why don't you guys stand? This next song we're going to sing says that over and over and over again because God is so good. We can never say it too much. I want to take a moment during our worship today to look to the scripture. We're going to look at Matthew for just a second. It's going to be up on the screens, and I'm going to read it. I want you guys to, to follow along, uh, and, and whether this is the first time that you're seeing these verses or if this is uh, a passage that you've heard many times, uh, I want to encourage you to try and hear it and see it with, with fresh eyes and fresh ears. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. It's important, not just for a house, but for us to have a firm foundation rooted in the only thing that can sustain us. Paul talks about this a little bit more in 1 Corinthians. He says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid which is Jesus Christ. As we sing this next song, let's remember those lyrics together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love, for your mercy, and for the peace that you bring to our life every day. We need you, Lord, and we want to hear your voice today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before, don't sit down. Amen. 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 Um, 
Yeah. I'm going to ask you to do something. Um, and I apologize. I only put this in English, but uh, Glenda is going to share with our friends in Spanish uh, what I want you to do, if you, if you don't know here. I, I'm going to ask you to do this, and it is absolutely fundamentally important for what we're going to do this morning with our teaching. Okay? So I need you to introduce yourself to someone you don't know and tell them something they need to know about you to understand who you are. Okay? And I, this, is, I, I, this isn't just like, hey, we want you to meet some. No, 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 no. I need you to do this as part of our teaching this morning. Okay? So I'm going to give you plenty of time to find somebody. And in, I know, intro, I'm an introvert too, honestly. It may, not, it may surprise you. Introverts in the room right now are like, what? I'm never coming back to this church. Okay? But find somebody, introduce yourself, tell them something they need to know about you. Go. Okay? Find somebody. <laughs> somebody who, who may not know you that well. <laughs> If you're not sure who to look, like there's people walking around looking for somebody, find somebody else who's looking. Hello. Okay, now see, that wasn't so bad, right? That wasn't so bad. All right, why don't you head back to your seats. <clears throat> or not, keep going. <laughs> All right, everybody. Eventually, we do have to, uh, have to end this. But we're going to have a meal after our service and you can you can continue your conversations this is, this is fantastic fantastic
So what? Oh, and, and huge shout out to Desiree and Susan who walked all the way over here. I know Desiree told me she's shy. I don't know I'm putting her on the spot. But walked all, walked all the way up here and introduced themselves to me. I thought I was just going to stand out here and stare at you all. But I got to meet Desiree and Susan. So, um, so, so how, do you, how do you, when you, when you first meet someone, how do you introduce yourself? Right? How, what's that like? We do it. We just sort of reflexively do it. It's kind of a thing that, that we pick up, uh, you know, through, through just sort of, sort of growing up. But, but sometimes there's something we have to be, even be coached on it. There's different introductions for different settings and everything. And, and I had you do that, A, because, yes, it's good to meet different people and to say hello and to introduce yourself and for us as a body to do that. But also because the series that we're starting today is a series called First Things First. First Things First. And it is a series, we're going we're gonna to spend seven weeks in the first three chapters of Genesis, okay? We're going to spend seven weeks in the first three chapters of Genesis, and we're going to be looking at how God introduced himself to mankind, okay? That how, how, did, it, how did it go from, like, from, from, from the creation story to God revealing himself to mankind? How did he say hello to us? What are the first things that we find out about him? And so, and, and what do we find out about God as he informs us in the rest of our understanding about him? How does it grow? Because we understand how God chose to introduce himself to us. That's where we're going to be over the next seven weeks, okay? And so, today, we're going to begin right in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to begin right in Genesis chapter 1. And, and I'm going to get this out of the way, okay? Um, there's this, these passages can be, can be divisive, Okay? These sections of scripture can be divisive. They can, they can divide people over, over all kinds of arguments and debates. Chief amongst them is the debate about, like, like is this, are we supposed to understand this literally or not? And I'm going to boldly stand in front of you and say, I am not going to answer that question for you. Okay? And here's why. Okay? Here's why. The things that we're going to talk about, I believe, are the things that we learn about God that are independent of whether or not we read this in a certain way, okay? That they transcend, and, and I know there are people in the room who feel strongly about, about the, the answers to those questions, and I'm not here to minimize that. That's not even the point. The point is, no matter whether you have strong feelings one way or the other, or whether you kind of throw your hands up and go, I don't know, the, the truth about who God is and the way he introduced himself to us is the truth whether I believe that this this passage of scripture describes something that took place a short period of time ago or a long period of time ago. Whether or not the events contained here are historical facts that actually took place, or I'm someone who's who who, or if whether or not I'm someone who says I don't think so. I think that they're not. It that, that how we answer that question is a separate. Those are separate questions from the questions we're going to ask about this passage. Okay. And so, so I'm here to say, we're going to look at these sections of Scripture, and no matter what you believe about them, I think that what we see about God, you need to embrace it. We need to embrace what we find out about God in this section of Scripture. And so we're going to start today, we're going to start this whole series by reading through Genesis chapter 1 through the first few verses of Genesis chapter 2 because they kind of go together. It's a longer section of Scripture. So we're, but we're going to read through it together, and I'm going to ask you to do something. I've made you, um, some of you really uncomfortable once, and I'm going to ask you to be a little bit uncomfortable again. Okay? As we read through this, as we read through this, there's a phrase that gets repeated many times. And that phrase in English, it's, and God said. In Espanol, y dijo Dios. Okay? And God said, or in, in Espanol, y dijo Dios. Okay? 
And I'm going to ask when we get to that phrase, because I'm standing up here and I'm going to have to be, read for a little while, and I want to know that you're still with me. I'm going to ask you to, to say that phrase with me when we come to it in the passage. Okay? I'm going to ask you to say that phrase with me when we come to it in the passage. There's a few versions of it. We'll, we'll get by. Okay? But, y dijo Dios en español. See? And God said in English. And I'm going to challenge you maybe a little bit too. If you're a native English speaker, maybe try saying it in Spanish. Y dijo Dios. Right? Y dijo Dios. If you're a native Spanish speaker, maybe try it in Spanish. And God said. And God said. Okay? But we're going to read through this. And when you see it, so here's, let's practice. I'm going to say it in English. And maybe if Spanish is your first language, you can repeat it after me. And God said. And God said. And I'm going to say it in Spanish. And if your native language is English, maybe you can try in Spanish. Y dijo Dios. Okay? All right, we're going to try it. Now, I'm on the spot because when I get to it and I'm reading it in English, I'm going to have to stop myself and say it in Spanish. Okay? All right, are you with me? All right, let's read it. Genesis, oh, and I'm not stopping. I want to stop so bad all through this. I'm not stopping. We're going to read right through it, okay? So let, let's, let's do this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Y dijo Dios, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Y dijo Dios, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water above. Uh, the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. Y dijo Dios, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and he gathered water he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Now here's a curveball. Luego dijo Dios, then God said. Mm-hmm. Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The Lord produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Y dijo Dios, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light and darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Still there? Y dijo Dios, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there, and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. 
Y dijo Dios, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the wild animals according to their kinds. The livestock according to their kinds. And all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Luego dio Dios. Dijo Dios. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. A little different. Tambien dijo, then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And just a couple more verses. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Amen, right? Amen. It's powerful and it's beautiful. It's contrasted with the other creation narratives and myths of the ancient world. In those myths, there's, it's chaos that leads to more chaos. But in this story, in this narrative, the one of God's people, this was a story of, of not of not conflict between the gods, but of one God's sovereign reign over everything that he made. That, that everything that exists came from him. And this is the way God introduces himself to mankind. This is the way that he shows himself. When he, when he reaches out and says, hello, I'm God, I'm here. Let me tell you about myself. This is the first thing that we find. It's so grand and it's so wide and we could study it lifetime after lifetime and not get to the bottom of it. It's mysterious. There are questions that we can rightly ask that, that it doesn't on its own answer. We're left with a powerful God who speaks everything into existence. First things first. So we want to say this. Who is this God? Who is this God? These are the things I'm going to talk about quickly. Okay? Again, we could do seven weeks on each of these. But it tells us that he is the creator. Right? He's the creator. And, he, and, and, and it doesn't leave us any room for another interpretation Philosophy and science can try and provide some other answer to the question. But the scriptures, the Bible, emphatically says this. Everything that is came about because God made it so. He is the first 
answer, the first cause. Why are we here? Because God made. Because God made. It tells us that. And again, we can spend, we can spend weeks and months diving into it. We're going to go a different direction today. He's powerful. He's powerful. Right? He speaks and it happens. He just says it and it's so. This is the God of the scriptures. He doesn't have to manipulate. He doesn't, he doesn't need some other source of material from which to, to craft something. He makes everything that is out of nothing. He speaks. He dios, or diho dios, right? God said, and it happens. I say stuff all the time. No one, well, I mean, you, you got to thank you for paying attention. But largely, not, it produces very little. But God is something other. He speaks, and it's so. He's spirit, it tells us, the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was he's separate from the creation. We find that out about God in this section. He has made it. He's not contained by it. He is something other than the material of the creation, which makes the story of Jesus so amazing, right? That not being made of the material world that was created, he stepped into it on our behalf. This God is spirit. He's something else. It also gives us our first clues here that this God is plural. The language is plural. When, when it comes to those verses near the end where it says, let us make man in our image, we get the first clues. We get the first clues in the scripture. That while there is one God, that God exists in multiple persons. That we come to understand in the rest of the story, the unfolding of the scripture, that there is Father, Son, and Spirit. Three in one, we commonly call the Trinity. This is how God introduces himself. I'm here. I made you. I'm powerful. But I'm other than. the rest of our time, okay? Those are things we're, like, those are great, right? That's, that's powerful stuff. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to move on from that. With the rest of our time, I want to look at the big picture of this and the structure of it and try to understand a little bit something, something else that comes along with, with the first page of the Bible, okay? With the first page of the Bible. In order to do it, I think we need to look back at this whole thing together. So quickly, I want to just summarize what we saw, what we read there in Genesis chapter 1. So let's look at each day as quickly as we can, Okay? Is that too small? Sorry. Um, the first day, what does God do? He separates light and dark, right? He separates light and dark. So he says, let there be light, and then he separates the light from the darkness. That's day one. Day two, what does he do? He doesn't, doesn't say he makes something new, but it says he takes the water, and he separates water, and he separates water above and water below, and he creates, depending, this is, it's been a hard word for, for translators over the years to translate, okay? Um, but, but, you know, there, there's some, uh, we call it like an expanse, okay? Or some translations just say he created the sky, okay? The idea being he created, when we look up, he created that gap, the atmosphere, 
the space that we live in, move in, breathe in, where the water below and the water above, and there's this space. God did that, okay? So on the second day, he separated the waters, the water above and the water below. The third day, right? He, he takes the, the waters in the land, he, he gathers the, the land together in one place, and he gathers the sea together in another place, and he starts this process of plant life with seeds. That happens on the third day, okay? Again, he's here, he's moving things around, okay? He's moving things around. So it's, it's as if, it's as if, uh, in, in, in chapter 1, verse 1, in, in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but it needed something more. He was moving it around. He was putting things in, their, in its proper place, okay? I'm running out of space, so I have a new, new column. Day 4, day 4, it says this. He makes the sun, the moon, and the stars, right? It says the, the greater light for the day, the lesser light for the night, and the young, the stars, and, and it says, you know, he put them up in that expanse, okay? It doesn't mean he put them, like, really physically between, but it, when we look up into the sky, we see these, these heavenly bodies. That's what he does on the fourth day. And on the fifth day, he makes fish and birds. Okay? He makes fish and he makes birds. And on the sixth day, he makes animals and humans. Right? But then there's, I'm sorry, I'm still out of space, so there's one more day. Okay? One more day. On the seventh day, he didn't do a work. He rested. Now, all kinds of questions here, right? Like, like, this is a little strange, okay? Because if God can do all of this stuff, why go through the trouble of this seven-day thing, okay? Well, we're going to talk about that seventh day in a few weeks, okay? But, like, could God have just, like, said, I want all of this as it is right now to be the way I want it and snap his fingers and it just goes? Sure, he could have. Sure, that could have been the way he did it. Okay? But he gave it to us in this order. He gave it to us in this arrangement. As, it's been, as, as God has been introduced to us, it's shown to us in this way, and there's meaning to this. There's meaning to this. You see, the way that this is, the way that this is laid out in the scriptures, okay? that this is, this, is a, this, is, this is a Hebrew poem. Okay? It's poetic. It doesn't rhyme in, with sound the way we think of poetry. Thank you, Bill Shakespeare. Okay? It's not rhyming sounds, but it's connecting and rhyming ideas. It's putting things side by side that are similar in idea. And so what we find when we look at these, the way that this is laid out, here's what we find. We find that days one through three are all days of forming. Okay? They're all days of forming. These are, these are days where God didn't, he didn't make something new, but he took what was there and he moved it around. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he took the light and the darkness of that, and he separated them from one another. And he took the water that was there in what he had made, and he, he separated it, and he put water above and water below, right? And on the other side, these are days of filling, okay? Days of filling, where you, you have these spaces, that, and there's, there's nothing in them, and so God puts something in them, right? You have, you have there's light and dark, but now we, we need sun, moon, and stars. Like, you know, where was the light coming from? There's all kinds of questions you could ask about day one, two, and three. If there's no sun, there's no, yeah, sure, go ahead, ask the question. That's fair. I don't know, but here's what I do know. 
that in the telling of this to us, day four and day one are connected to one another. We have the, the forming of light on day one and, and, and God filling with these objects on day four. And on day five, remember he separated waters above and waters below and he put fish in the water below and he put birds up in the sky that he created, right? And on day six, he had gathered the dry land together and what does he do? He fills up that dry land. You see it with me? You see the connection? There's still the seventh one hanging out? Okay. Again, a couple weeks from now, we're going to deal with that seventh day. But in Hebrew poetry, usually the one that stands out that doesn't have a pair is the one that this passage is kind of about. Okay. But in this telling, look at what we have. Days of forming. Days of filling. The structure tells part of the story. God's work of creation was the work of forming and filling. And he gets done with that work. And before he rests, what does he say about it? It is very good. It's very good at the end. Again, he could have done it all at once, but he took these days. He introduced himself to mankind by saying, In the way that I have, the way that I have brought you to be, if you want to understand the very first moments of your history, here's how you understand it. And it begins with me, God says. It begins with me and my work. It tells the story of God's good work in creation. And to, to understand why he did this, let's go back to the beginning of the passage to understand why I think he tells us this. Remember that very first verse in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But look at the second verse and what the second verse tells us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It says this in verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You see what we find in, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. We see in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 are, are these conditions. They're the conditions of the world before God goes to work. They're the conditions of the world where, where um, possibly, potentially, the world with an inactive God. The world has been made, but God has stepped back. If that's the case, it's formless. It's empty. It's dark. Okay? I know that we... We look at the story of creation and we, we rightfully ought to say that creation was a good act. That what God did was good because he says it's very good, but he says it after the sixth day. In verse 2, God creates the heavens and the earth and he says, at this point, it's formless. It doesn't have shape. We might, we might key into this as that it's chaotic, Right? It's just, it's there, but it doesn't have any sort of organization. Like, it's, it's all out of whack. And it's empty. It's empty. And it's dark. It's dark. It's empty. And it's formless. And what we find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 is this. The first thing we find out about God that he's telling us is this truth. You need me because without me, you're going to live in a dark, empty, and formless world. Do you hear me? Do you see the scriptures? 
Without God, we're left with darkness. We're left with emptiness. And we're left with chaos. Formlessness. This is the first truth of the scriptures. It's the first thing that we find out about God as he introduces himself to us. But what does God do? This is the, also the wonderful thing because he doesn't stop by saying, hey, you need me, and now I'm checking out of the story. Look at what he does right away in verse 3. God said, what does he do about the darkness? Let there be light. Let there be light. So God does something about the problem of darkness. He creates light. And he goes on from there. What does he do about the problem of this formlessness? He separates light and dark. He makes the vault or the expanse, the sky. He separates by separating the waters. He gathers the waters together in one place on the earth and, and the dry land together. Do we see it? He takes, the, he takes the, the chaos of it, the formlessness of it, and he shapes it. It's what God does. And then from there, what does he do? He takes, right, the lights and he puts them in the vault of the sky, in the, in the expanse. He hangs the lights and why does it say he does that? To mark seasons and days so that we can keep track of the world around us. But he hangs them. And then he, lets, he fills up the water with fish and he fills up the sky with birds. So when we look around, we see evidence of his creative hand, his creative work all around us. And then what does he do? He fills the, the land, all kinds of creatures. Every creature on the earth, including on that sixth day, us. And he tells us to, to like him, you go fill. He blessed us and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now you fill it and you form it in my image. Right? This is the first the first thing we find out about God is that he goes from darkness and emptiness and formlessness to light and filling. He fills up what's empty and he forms and he shapes the chaos of our world. This is the God of the scriptures. When he reaches out his hand and says, hello, my name is Yahweh. Here's what I do. Here's what you need to know about me. I'm a light bringer. Without me, you've got nothing but darkness. But I bring the light. I'm a filler. Without me, it's all empty. He says, without me, it's empty. Unless I go to work, God says, it's going to be empty around here. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fill things up. I'm going to fill things. I'm the one who fills them, who gives them meaning and purpose. And he says, you know what? It's really, it's really chaotic without me. It's really chaotic. But when I go to work, when I go to work, I shape things. I'm, I move so that there's order. You don't have to live in the chaos. Right? So that's what he does. That's what he does. And that's all well and nice. It's great. It's good to know those things about God. But wait, there's more. You're not getting out of here that early. Okay? There's more. We called this series First Things First because we want to talk about the first in order things that we find in the Bible, but also the first in priority. Right? 
the first in priority. How is it that, that this passage of Scripture, like, it sheds light on the rest of the Bible? How is it that by understanding what God, how God has introduced himself, we can understand the work of God throughout the, the centuries amongst his people, as revealed to us in the Scriptures? And here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing. We also found out, remember here, that, that idea that, that, that God had his plural. And that Jesus is going to step into the world. He's going to move from spirit to, to body. He's going to step into the world. And when that happens, it changed everything. It changed everything. And the first Christians recognized it. The first Christians recognized it. Because when they looked at Jesus, they saw the God of creation in him. Okay? When they looked at Jesus, they saw the God of creation in him. Look at what, what John says in the very opening words of the Gospel of John. It's the exact same phrase in the beginning, at Genesis 1 and John 1. When, the, when, they, when they move from, from the Hebrew of in the beginning to the Greek, okay, it's the exact same language here as in the beginning that John uses. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A few verses later, it says this about him. In him, in this Word, in this One, in him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You with me? You see, Jesus was not just present at the creation moment. Jesus is everything that was true there in the creation moment. He, Jesus is the one who ultimately brings the light. To know Jesus is to know the light of God. But it doesn't end there. Paul writes the church in Colossians. Church, he writes the book of Colossians to the church in Colossae. He says this. He says, the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. And look what it says. The firstborn over all creation. Paul is anchoring what he's about to say in the creation account. If you want to understand what I'm about to say, he's giving you a clue. You want to say what I'm about to say? Understand creation. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Oh. The Son, Jesus was not just there, he's the agent of creation. And he goes on to say, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and then look at this phrase, and in him all things hold together. What is it that Jesus does? He holds it all together. He, he's the one who holds the chaos together. It's Jesus. It was Jesus in Genesis 1. At the moment of creation, the first followers of, of Jesus recognized his connection to creation. And it's him today. When life is spinning out of control and it seems like chaos is everywhere, know this is true. Jesus is holding it all together. He is. It's faithful and it's true and we can, we can believe it. We can trust it. It's always been the case. Paul writes again to the church in Ephesus. He anchors a, a long section in the book of Ephesians and says this, for he chose us, this is God, God is the he, therefore he, the Father, chose us in him, now him is Jesus, before the creation of the world. Okay? He's talking about the followers of, of Christ. Like, he's saying, we were chosen by him before the creation of the world. This, what we just read in Genesis 1, isn't a moment of history as far as God is concerned. It's just... It's just a moment. 
We look at it as, um, as, as the beginning of all things. God looks at it as, as it's just the moment. And we were chosen in him, chosen in Christ before creation. And it goes through this long and amazing examination of what God has done in creating the world. But it ends, and I realize I'm skipping lots of verses because I want you to eat. Okay? I do. I did tell someone, this is a 75, 80-minute teaching this morning. We're going to do this in 40-ish. Okay? But look what it says. And God placed... look. All things under his, being Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, ready, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Do we get this? Jesus is everything that's true about God. From the moment of creation. He didn't become God. He is God. He didn't stand by while the Father made the world. He was there as the agent of it. And then he didn't sit back and say, let it go. Or somebody else take it. No, he stepped into it. He, Jesus moved in to the creation so that the work of bringing light the work of bringing order to chaos, the work of filling up the emptiness of our lives without God is completed in him. Amen? This is the story. First things first. We meet God. And we meet him on his terms. I'm a light bringer, he says. I, I, I will give you filling purpose. I will bring order to the chaos of your world. Believe me about this. Believe me, he's telling us. Let me bring the band back up. You guys, come on, back up. We're going to sing again in just a minute and worship this God. But see, see the story of, of God's work through Jesus, it doesn't... It, we... we, we First, hear it in Genesis 1. We, we see it throughout the scriptures. It's made, it's made very personal in the person of Jesus as the light giver, the filler, the one who brings order to the chaos. But, but the Bible promises, promises us that that work doesn't even end there. There's more to be done. And that at the end of all things, if we go to the end of the scriptures... If we go to the end of the scriptures and we, and we, we read through and understand John's revelation, God's revelation to John, better put, in chapter 21 of the book of Revelation, it describes a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem, a new city. And it tells us these things. It tells us that that, that, that new heaven, that new Jerusalem, is filled with people, the saints, who trusted in the Son. Amen. It's filled with all people. From every tribe and every nation. It's not empty. The work of God is a work that moves from emptiness to filling, and it ends with the filling of God's new city. And it, amen, it describes this city 
And when it describes it, it describes it in these bizarre details to us. But it's, it's a cube. I don't know how it's a cube, but it's this amazingly perfect cube in its dimensions. And there's three gates on each side of it. And it is perfectly ordered. The, God is moving us into a place where there is no dysfunction. There's no chaos. Everything is perfectly ordered for those who will enter those gates to fill that city. But it also tells us that there is no sun in that place. Because God is there and he is the light. So there's no need for lamps. There's no need for candles. There's no need for sun. Because he is the light that shines on the full and perfectly ordered city that he has prepared for us. This is the story. It begins on the first pages of the scriptures and we see about coming things on the last pages of the scriptures. But they're guaranteed in the middle by the work of Jesus Christ, who is the light, who holds it all together, and who fills it all to its fullest. Will you pray with me before we worship? God, um, it is so easy and tempting to try to define life and, and everything in our own understanding. To try to make sense of, of just what we see around us based on what you've made. And God, we stop now and ask for your help in seeing you as the one who's, who makes sense of all this. You're the one who shines the light in the darkness where we can't see. And you're the one who makes order of all the, the chaos around us. You've still got it. Even when it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to us, you've got it. And Jesus, you're holding it together and we know it. And you're the one who gives us purpose, who fills our lives. God, forgive us for trying to make it about other things, for trying to, to sort it out on our own and to, and to try and decipher it and trying to, to fill it up. But God, you, you're the one. You're the one who's made a way for us to know you, to see you. And we thank you, Jesus, for your work. We thank you for coming and doing it. We thank you for the, the peace that comes from, from trusting you with it. And we look forward to the point in time where we don't, we don't have to, to trust because we, we, we experience it fully. We know it in experience. And we look forward to that day. And we thank you, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, for your, your work in creation. And we pray all of this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Let's keep praying. God, your word is powerful and alive, and it brings us back to who you are. God, my mind is blown away today as I hear, again, something I've read before again and again, but just 
who you are is so great and so beyond comprehension. Thank you for your word, which just expands, continues to expand who you are to us and your greatness and your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat, if you would. Man, the food is coming in, and it looks good. We are so excited to have lunch today. And so we, 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 we're trying to time this a little bit. Um, so what's going to happen is hopefully they're going to be here in a little bit. We're going to let them go first, okay, and just honor them today because that's part of what we want to do is to honor them and just to share a meal with them. So a couple things before um, I check in about that. First, uh, can we mix together with them and get to know them. What that means is you're going to have to maybe pick your stuff up and uh, put, set it off to the side in the back and give up your seat to let them sit, and then we'll fill in around them and just spend some time getting to know them. Um, in our world, man, churches can be so divisive. They can be competitive, and it stands out when churches are unified together. So we want to get to know them today. So hang around here for a couple minutes. I'm going to check in and see where they're at. And then I'll have them get in line, and then we'll get in line and share a meal. And then I'm going to talk a little bit during the meal, too. We're going to celebrate them um, and their, their sacrifice for us, okay? So go ahead. Why don't you stand up right now and just go ahead and get to know some other people here. And then I'll be back with some instructions in a second. And while you're before that, one more thing. Sorry, I forgot. One more thing. On the back wall... In the back there, when you go up to, to, um, to get your food, when that time comes, you're going to be handed a ticket because we are voting today on the entries for our Honduras t-shirt contest for the summer, okay? So each of you is going to get a card and get a chance to vote. So after you get your food later, you're going to vote, and then at the end of the voting, we'll let you know who won, okay? So don't forget that. All right. I'll be back in a little bit to see where things are at. <laughs> 